morning, and welcome to episode 734 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller, along with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hi, Ben. Hi. How are you? Doing a little play indexing. Yeah? Yeah. I don't what know about? if this is a fun fact or not. It's a fact. Ivan Nova, Yankees pitcher, pitched in his 16th game of the season tonight, last night, if you're listening to this on Tuesday, and he lost that game, and he now has 16 decisions in 16 games, so I was curious to see how often that happens, or what's the most games that a pitcher has pitched in and had a decision in all of them, and it turns out that Ivan Nova is doing something we haven't seen in quite some time. He has the most games in a season with a decision in every game since Gary Nolan had 16 in 1969. So he's tied for the most since World War II. Cool. I think that we did a play index on this one time. Oh. Uh, on I think we were looking for most decisions in a season. So not you didn't have to be perfect, mm. but most decisions, mm-hmm. I think. I did a little play indexing tonight as well. Oh, yeah? Found a little fun fact. What's that? TJ House uh-huh. made, made four starts this year. Okay. All in April. And uh, in those four starts, he allowed as many runs as Zach Granke allowed through July 25th. That's impressive. He I'm... allowed 19, by the way. He allowed 19. Jake Arietta has allowed nine in the second half. Jake Arietta's second half is unbelievable. Yeah. I, I don't really recall a pitcher being this good i mean there hasn't hasn't been one it's not that i don't recall i've seen a ton of stats about how you know he has the lowest second half era of any starter who's made at least 10 starts and he has the best 10 start stretch of anyone since bob gibson and it's just crazy there's like a new espn stats and info packet on jake arietta every day with some crazy new stat about how good he's been I actually think that Kershaw was better during his stretch this year than Arietta is. Uh-huh. And I don't know if the ERA might not have been as low. I mean, Kershaw also had a 100-plus inning stretch with an ERA under one. But, I mean, to I just think Kershaw's dominance. So, let's see. Kershaw, I'm going to go from May 26th to September 2nd. Okay. Which is 18 starts. And I, I didn't, those might not be the best. I might, I could probably have done it better if I'd made it shorter. But 18 starts, uh, 1.26 ERA, 135 innings, 178 strikeouts, 18 walks. <laughs> and, I mean, you know, he was, he basically, he went 18 starts. He was striking out 10 a game and walking one a game, pretty much on the nose, for, 10, for 18 starts. It's Rich Hill-esque. Yeah. So let me see. I could probably even do better. Hang on. Let me see the best I can do. We did this already <laughs> this year. We had this exact, basically, conversation. Kershaw had a 90-inning stretch where he was at 1.1 ERA, and in 12 starts, he had 120 strikeouts and 12 walks. Basically the same thing. So Arietta, yes, also very good. But, you know, like he's been ERA good. Yeah, he's been he's been, he's been amazing good, but, but. He, he's been amazing across the board but he's ba- you know his, his fit during this time is probably like two and a quarter or something like that 
And it's mostly the lack of home runs that have even kept that obscenely low. I mean, he's he's been really good, but he's he's striking out, you know, a batter an inning. He's walking a batter for every four or five. It's good. It's great. Garbage. He's not, he's not, he's not, I don't know. He's not quite doing what Kershaw is doing, especially considering that the ERA gap, I mean, his ERA is 0.8 in 100 innings. So that's really good. Like, (laughs) but the ERA gap is not, massively different i don't mm-hmm. think uh he's got an era of a uh, 0.9 in 125 innings let's see 0.89 in 141 Ooh, we were wondering if we had anybody that we could get to 162 innings yeah with a sub that was what we talked about with a sub gibson era mm-hmm. and uh i don't think you can get arietta there yet and he Ah, no, you can't. You get him, if you go to 158 innings, it's now 125. So you can't get Arietta there, unfortunately. But very close. He's like 18 pretty good innings away from having a a Gibson, a qualified Gibson. I think he's allowed as many home runs in the second half as he's hit. Yeah, two. Yeah, that's Uh, pretty good. Yeah, that is pretty good. It'd be better if he hit more. (laughs) That's true. It's not hitting that many, to be honest. No, although he hit one opposite field. That was impressive. Yeah. I uh, wanted to ask you about something. I noticed uh, that Chris Singleton on the Sunday night game on the radio side uh, was talking a lot about the um, ability of Francisco Cervelli to get strike calls for his pitchers. Mm -hmm. And this is what we call framing. It is. It is not what Chris Singleton calls framing. He uses a different term for it. He calls it presentation. And he said he said the word presentation about, I don't know, 30 times. So it wasn't an accident. It wasn't like he just got tired of saying framing and he mixed it up. He refers to this skill as presentation. And um, I wonder if you think that that's a better phrase. And I guess more than that, if you think that framing is itself a bad phrase, a loaded phrase, a phrase that would be better to be replaced. I've heard presentation, and I think it's good. I like it. So many syllables, though. Twice as many syllables as framing. Who has time for all those syllables? I know that some people don't like framing. They prefer receiving, or because framing has the connotation that you're trying to make something that's not a strike a strike. Yeah, which is true sometimes, but not all the time. Sometimes you're just trying to keep a strike from being a ball. Yeah. So I think there are advantages to other terms. Framing also has a a crooked meaning, a dishonest meaning, mm-hmm. and not the same. I mean, what you're doing is not make sending an innocent man to jail for a crime he didn't commit. However, they both involve essentially lying about the acts uh, or lying about, I don't know, lying about the legality of something. Mm-hmm. And so there's a kind of a way that I don't know if it does or not, but you could see that that might subtly promote the idea that this is actually a, a dishonest thing. And I know there are, there are some people who will comment in an article that you write about framing that they kind of disapprove of it, that they think that uh, what we're basically describing is not cheating, but also not really like good, not by the rules. And mm-hmm. um, so, yeah, maybe a less loaded term would catch on. I don't yeah, know. Sure. All right. Presentation. <laughs> okay. I see you've uh, resumed your quest to get people to spell Jerry DePoto correctly. Now that yeah. Jerry DePoto's back in the news for being hired as Mariners GM. 
Well, wherever Gary a... DePoto is, or wherever people are spelling his name, there's Sam Miller reminding them that the P is not capitalized. Yeah, it's not every single time, but usually what'll happen, like in, I don't want to get, I don't want to make anybody look bad, but today I was, you know, seeing the normal amount of capital P DePotos, and then I noticed a tweet from one of my writers doing it, <laughs> and, uh, I didn't, I, it wasn't deliberately a subtweet or anything like that, but it just, I felt like I had not been doing enough lately. I, it had been probably two years since I had brought this important news to the public. Mm-hmm. So I just thought that it was time to have a little refresher. I think it's the De Podesta effect is responsible for this. Because we were used to calling De Podesta Depot, and De Podesta has a capital P, and he's a prominent baseball executive. I think there's a carryover effect to Jerry DePoto. Yeah, it could be. I um, The other thing about Jerry DePoto is that as a player, it was capital P. <laughs> <laughs> like back then, I don't know if he, it's just that he wasn't in control of his brand the way he is now or what. But if you look back then, all the references to him as a player were capital P. And in fact, for a while, it's not anymore. I just checked. It's not anymore. But for a while... Baseball Reference had capital P for his player page, but lowercase p for his manager page. And so I sometimes, uh, I actually think that I got in an argument about this with Jason one time, where I wanted, I was pushing to have a reference to him as a player be capitalized. Or like, it might have been an article about him being a GM and it said like, as a player, DePoto had, you know, for this many teams or something. And I wanted in this article of all lowercase p's exactly (laughs) to have one capital P. Because as a player, he was capital P DePoto. (laughs) This DePoto never played, if you ask me. Uh Yeah, he's like the subtlest Stefan Urkel change ever. Uh Just drop the P, (laughs) whole new guy. Uh... All right, Gerard, by the way. This is another thing about Jerry. Gerard, Gerard is really? his first name. Gerard with a G. Oh, wow. Jerry with a J. Like See? A Parks and Rec character. Gerard DePoto, the player, with a capital P. Jerry DePoto, the GM, with a J. Mm-hmm. All right. Ben, how are you? Okay. Any banter? We've been bantering. Okay. I don't know if you noticed. Today, I want to ask you about the most important player on every postseason team. Mm. The reason I want to ask you about this is that Yadier Molina is he's out for the regular season. Yes. We don't yet know what his availability will be uh, in the postseason. However, he's not playing right now, and um, there's when this news came out a week or so ago, there was a, a round of discussion in the public about whether Yadier Molina was in fact the greatest player in the history of the world the most valuable player in baseball uh, or just a guy with a you know three war or whatever or something in between whether he's overrated underrated or or perfectly rated and for instance Molly Knight had a tweet at the time that he was disabled that said if Yadier Molina is out for the year then R.I.P. to the Cardinals hashtag R.I.P. No player more valuable to any team than he is. And then she continued, This isn't a dig on any other player or team. Yachty controls the game better than anyone. Toys with hitters like they're marionettes. And you, of course, have been a, uh, maybe as much as any person in the world, have been responsible for the inflated value of the Molina name, maybe? <laughs> Are you? <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
And uh, so I don't know where you currently stand on Yadi Molina. We also not just his not just his uh, his regular defense, not just his framing, which uh, at various points in his career has also been good. There's we also have had uh, Harry Pavlidis on here to talk about how the value uh, was it was it was Harry right mm-hmm. game call. to talk about yeah to talk about how the value of a catcher's game calling is now close to within our grasp or perhaps within our grasp as analysts and i believe melina also does very well there so anyway question kind of that started this is is melina in fact the most valuable player on the cardinals if you were the cardinals and if an evil villain came to you and said 24 of these ball players can be yours but i'm going to take one who would you want him to choose would you want him to take or i guess maybe the better question is if you were the pirates and you got to take a player who would you take off the cardinals so it's the most um controversial team to do this for would be the cardinals i think because of the molina factor and so first let's just start who do you give up or who is the last person you give up if you're the cardinals is it molina or do you actually think that he's just a guy who's worth a couple of wins well it was definitely molina up until this year i think yeah and this year maybe it's a little bit closer i mean Molina, over the last few years, has, I think, been one of the best players in baseball, maybe even an MVP candidate, if you factor in all of the non-war things. Yeah. Well, so in 12 and 13, he was, yeah, I mean, even if he never framed a pitch, even if he were yeah. just, like, just a normal catcher doing normal catcher things, he was already an MVP candidate. For those two years, he was a great hitter. He was great by any even the most, even the least generous interpretation of him saw him as one of the great, great, great players in the game. Mm-hmm. And there is a, I don't know, there's a l- little bit here where, so the, you, the Nichols law of catcher defense, which you know, but maybe some of the listeners don't know, is an old baseball prospectus trope that went that the um, the public opinion of a catcher's defense is inversely proportional to his offensive abilities. Mm-hmm. So... The worse you were as a hitter, the more flowery things people would say about your defense as a catcher. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Molina is it was a great hitter for a few years. But there is a weird way where now he is, again, not. He's kind of, he reached his peak and now he's declining and doesn't seem to be a very good hitter anymore. And it's kind of now, almost, that it seems like the really exaggerated stuff is being said about him yeah. well, as a defender. There's always been a tendency to just go higher on how much he's worth. Like no matter what, if you as soon as you put a number on how much he's worth, and you could say he's worth ten wins or something, yeah. someone will one up you. <laughs> like you could you could say he was worth half the Cardinals' wins or something, and someone would tweet at you and say you're on you're not counting all the the leadership and all the intangibles. Like you could just name the Cardinals' win total for that year and say he was worth that many wins and someone would go higher. So there is always a, a tendency, I think, to do that. And people cited like ERA with and without Molina a lot when he got hurt. Yep. And those stats are always sort of iffy, especially if you're doing one season, particularly because he catches almost all the games. So you're talking about 10 games of Tony Cruz or something, usually in the other group. But there was an interesting stat 
David Schoenfeld, I think, had a, <clears throat> yeah. a sweet spot where he went back like six percentage. years. Yeah. yeah, and it was a pretty big sample because even though Tony Cruz plays like 20 games a year, if you go back uh, six seasons, I think he went. The Cardinals over that span were, I think, 585 at the time with Molina and something like 495 without Molina. They were a sub-500 team in games that Molina didn't play or didn't start, which is a pretty big gap. And it was something like 200 games, I think, almost, or 180 games or something in the non-Molina sample. So that's that's big enough that you can kind of buy it. I don't know whether it's actually making a sub-500 team into a almost 600 team it can't be that big but i buy that it's big but that includes the time when molina was the best hitting catcher or one of the best hitting catchers and now that he no longer seems to be and even some of his defensive stats while still good have taken a little step back i don't know if he's that type of transformative player anymore okay so to answer the question Mm. by the way he went down on september 20th yeah, and I, I think the Cardinals are. Yeah, I think they're like eight and two or something like that since then. Yeah, so I don't know if I had to take away someone. Five and two, they're five and two. Yeah, I think uh, thing is, I don't think he's the best player on the Cardinals right now, but the drop off from him to Cruz is still pretty significant. Like if mm-hmm. you if you say that Jason Hayward is the best player on the Cardinals or. Matt Carpenter is the best player in the Cardinals, or Matt Holiday is the best player in the Cardinals. Maybe their backups are better than Tony Cruz is. So, you know, like if you have uh, Holiday and Borges and Piscotti and Grichuk and Hayward and all these outfielders, and you lose one of them, and maybe they can kind of handle that. So I don't know. Who would the backup be for Carpenter? Because Carpenter has probably been their best hitter and if it's going from carpenter to our old favorite pete cosma or something that would be a a pretty giant gap okay so what's your answer i suppose my answer is carpenter do you think that molina's particular skill set is one that is worth more in the postseason can you think of any reason why like for instance uh if he's the pitcher whisperer uh, maybe that's more important in games where the pitchers are totally amped up. On the other hand, maybe you could say, no, he's only going to be catching the aces for the most part, and John Lackey doesn't need Yadier Molina to tell him how to be cool. Uh, John Lackey is Mr. Cool. Uh, you know, Or you could, I don't know, maybe you would argue that, I don't know, it's the best umpires are selected for the postseason, so maybe framing isn't as much of an issue. Or maybe you could argue, although it's not a big deal with Molina because he catches almost every day, but in the postseason he will catch every single day, and so he's gonna you're going to get you know 15% more Molina than you would normally get in the regular season, something like that. Yeah. Uh, you could argue certainly that uh, we know that run scoring goes down in the postseason. You're more likely to have closer games. You're more likely to have games where one run or 90 feet plays a crucial part. And as so then maybe his, first of all, his just simply the fact that he can cut down the running game helps, but also maybe an extra strike here and there matters more in that type of game, or maybe mm-hmm. it doesn't. Yeah, maybe. Maybe he's a little bit more valuable. But you're, wonder... still going with, you're still going with Carpenter. You would say that if 
if Carpenter were injured, you would tweet hashtag RIP. <laughs> but with... Yeah, well, just looking at the the depth chart and seeing Pete Cosma and Greg Garcia as the backup infielders, that would be a pretty drastic drop. I guess I'll go with him. Speaking of injured, pretty indispensable Cardinals, the Carlos Martinez injury is kind of a killer or it hurts a lot. And we're not talking about pitchers specifically, but if anyone hasn't seen the video of Pedro Martinez talking about Carlos Martinez in August and talking about how he's worried about his shoulder because of his delivery, it's pretty interesting to go back and look at that now. And Pedro's sort of mentored the younger Martinez a little bit. There was a a video of him talking to him and instructing him a little bit, I think, at the All-Star game. But it was a, an interesting segment, and I don't, I don't know what exactly the root cause of Carlos Martinez's shoulder problem is, but if you didn't think Pedro was a, a genius and a national treasure, then this is just some more evidence that he is great and that everyone should listen to him always. Okay, name another playoff oh, team. Also, speaking of another potentially injured Cardinal, did you see the Stephen Piscotti video tonight? No. Yeah, it was it was bad. It was like one of those sports videos that you have to attach a warning to if you're going to link someone to it or just tell them not to watch it. It was like the the Jason Kendall ankle video level almost of uncomfortable to watch. And apparently he's okay, which is incredible because if you watched it, it looked like he was just totally blacked out. He collided with Peter Borges at pretty much full speed and center, and it looks like maybe a, a knee might have hit him in the head or something, and he was lying there with his arms splayed out, not responsive at all, and he was taken off the field, and it was scary looking, but evidently he's okay. All the tests were negative. I don't know if they did tests to make sure he's human, because it looked like he must have had a concussion for sure, and Possibly something more serious, but evidently not. So that's good news. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. All now, right. this was our first example of uh, talking about a video on the podcast that nobody could watch, <laughs> and also I couldn't watch. No one should watch. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. Name another playoff team. New York Yankees. All right. Should oh. we just go by league? Maybe? No, I don't want to do all of them. We'll oh, just name I a couple. We we're doing league. all of them. I changed my mind. We're, it's, we're not going to do all of them. That'd be boring. It's like... That'd be like 12 teams, and we're already 28 minutes. Be obvious. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Just name a team. Whatever. Doesn't matter. All right. Okay. So, so New, York, New York Yankees. All right. Well, clearly the answer is Derek Jeter. Right. Wouldn't it be amazing if they, if Derek Jeter, like if they had Suited secretly up. stashed Derek Jeter and they could just bring him back? It would be weird. All right. <laughs> who, uh, who on the Yankees are you keeping if you can only protect one person from... Mm. The evil devil. Well, so we're not including pitchers because I guess... Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we are? are? Yeah, sure. Oh, okay. Well, if we were including pitchers, I might just go with, like, the ace for every team. I'm not I'm not well, sure. Well, that's uh, maybe that's the answer. I mean, that's what we're going to discover. Yeah. Well, for the Yankees, I might go with Batantis, honestly. I think yeah. he is going to pitch so much in the postseason if they, you know, get beyond the wild card game that that would be a real weapon and it seems like Joe Girardi is good at managing a bullpen and getting the most 
out of his best relievers, and he's continued to use Betances a lot and in good situations, and he's continued to be very effective. And Andrew Miller is obviously a big part of that too. But if I had to pick one person in the postseason, it might be Betances. I mean, I guess you could say Tanaka, since they are going to be in a wild card game, and you need to win that one game to have any chance to advance to any other series. So the ace, the guy who'll be pitching that game, is maybe the most indispensable. But I would probably take Batances over anyone in their lineup at this point. Yeah, he. Uh, the crazy thing is that Batances is like half a win from being the team leader in Warp. Yeah. Which, as like a reliever. Right, that's crazy. That's insane. That's an insane thing. Uh, and in fact, the leader is Mark Teixeira, who they're not going to have. And uh, R.I.P., R.I.P. Yankees. Mm-hmm. They lost their their best player. Yeah, uh, Greg Bird is good. I'm a big Greg Bird fan. Yeah. Well, so I mean, you could like on a per plate appearance. Actually, he's not. Teixeira is still ahead of him, and so is McCann. Yeah. yeah. I the Yankees don't really have anybody who feels extremely valuable. Brett Gardner uh, is probably underrated as a very valuable part of the team. No, I didn't say very valuable. I said extremely valuable. Like, oh, sorry. Like, yes. on the extremes. Uh-huh. Like, they don't really have one ace where you're like, oh, I can't lose him. They have a whole bunch of pitchers who you're like, can't lose any of them because they don't have enough good pitchers. And, yeah, I mean, they're a depth team. I think Batontes is a good one. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much it matters that they have another guy who's, like, in some ways just as good or almost as good. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Batances is any less valuable. I guess he's probably somewhat less valuable by the presence of Andrew Miller and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Because they're, even though there's enough high leverage innings to go around, they are slightly less high. I mean, you put your best pitcher in the highest leverage as much as you can by definition. And so one of them is going to be getting second tier high leverage innings, but they're still going to be really high. Mm-hmm. I'm working on an article for later this week. I think it'll be up Thursday about some award races and just going as context sensitive as you can so looking at win probability added and not just win probability added but the games in which a player had his win probability added so you know if you were playing a division rival or something then it matters more so just going as far toward that end of the spectrum as you can as opposed to the end of the spectrum where you just say Bryce Harper is the best player and he gets the MVP award, even though the Nationals won't make the playoffs. So if you do that, and you just go completely context-sensitive, the last time I updated the stats, which was last week, Batances would be your AL Cy Young winner. Hmm. So yeah, there's no... That is a stat. There's no RIP guy for the Yankees. Yeah, well, most teams don't have an RIP guy. I no. Think. Well, right, there's no such thing as an RIP guy. Right. Like, I, I think, other than Bonds... On those horrible Giants teams, yeah. there's there's never in history been an RIP guy. Yeah. However, however, the Yankees have even less of an RIP guy All right. than than most. All right, name another team. Well, Blue Jays. I suppose Blue Jays. You just take the guy who's probably going to be the MVP, right? Uh, I don't know, Ben. <laughs> well, I'm not sure. I don't know. You either take the guy who's probably going to be the MVP or the guy who very well might be the Cy Young winner. <laughs> so they have a lot of really good players to choose from. So you can take Donaldson or you can take Price. I don't really have a strong opinion there. I 
I might take Price. There's some recency bias here. This is obviously not the most likely outcome, but a pitcher can do what Madison Bumgarner did. Mm-hmm. But there is no hitter equivalent. Like you can get hot, you could be hot, you could be as hot as you've ever been. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't play twice as many games. Yeah, you just you can't you can't do it. You get to play the number of games that you always play, and so it's. I, I mean, I feel like it's probably right to take Price over mm-hmm. Donaldson mm-hmm. if you could. I mean, I don't know. Again, I don't think it probably matters that the Blue Jays have like other really awesome hitters mm-hmm. behind Donaldson. It feels like it doesn't matter as much, but that's a fallacy. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's Donaldson, yeah, the, it's neither one of them is in any way You'd be going from Donaldson to, I don't know, Chris Colabello or Matt Haig or someone. It would be a it'd be a pretty steep drop off. But Chris Chris Colabello has the same on base percentage and only sixty points of <laughs> slugging <laughs> from Donaldson. Did you know Chris Colabello is hitting three twenty two, three seventy, five fourteen? I didn't know it was quite that good. I knew he was having a good year. That's yeah. really good. Hmm. Uh, so I should just bench Donaldson. <laughs> Yeah, so I would protect David Price. I think that's right. Okay, all right, name another team. The Mets might be an interesting one. Okay. Because the Mets have a lot of aces. So, so I don't know whether you take one yeah. of the aces or... Well, like we talked about when we were doing the Harvey discussion, one thing about the Mets is that they're going to put a pretty good pitcher in the bullpen. Or yeah. out of, out of the rotation, probably two pretty good pitchers. You know, depending on what you think of John Neese's semi resurgence. But you know, they like they could throw six guys into Game Four and not have you think it was outlandish. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of takes away the importance of Degrom or Matt Harvey a little bit. But I mean, it, unless you think that Cespedes is just not actually gonna play that well like how do you not take Cespedes like if you uh, the reason that you wouldn't take Cespedes is well I had 2,000 plate appearances before two months ago and I had a pretty good idea of who he was and it was a good player but not an RIP player Mm -hmm. and that you're smart enough not to get swayed by two incredible months just a pretty good reason yeah no fun though (laughs) no (laughs) In fact, uh, on a per plate appearance basis, I think Conforto has been more valuable than Cespedes. Yeah, it must be close. It's very close. Like, basically tied. I think Conforto's slightly ahead. Maybe it's Addison Reed. David Wright on a per plate appearance. Addison Reed has not allowed a run as a Met. Uh huh. Since he was acquired at the. Basis, David Wright is pretty close to. August 30th deadline. Uh Yeah. David Wright. They have. DeGrom and Harvey and Syndergaard, who are all, I don't know if they're quite interchangeable, but they're all really, really good. And if you lost one of them, it would be bad, but it wouldn't be RIP. No one would say RIP about that. If you lost Cespedes, people would say RIP. They would, I don't know whether they'd be right, but they would say it. There'd be, uh, well, it was pointed out a few weeks ago that the last three teams, or all three teams that have traded away Cespedes were in last place. Yes, right. And so there is a there is a Gonny Jones kind of 
aura around him right now. Mm-hmm. If you if you were to lose him, yeah, people all of a sudden people would be talking about what an idiot Billy Bean is again for some reason. That's <laughs> what they talk about Billy Bean. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm okay with going with him. All right, another team. Dodgers. Okay, Dodgers. So I asked this question on Twitter recently. So Clayton Kershaw has like a 2.1 FIP, and he is healthy, and he is available. Zach Greinke has like a 2.6 FIP, and he is healthy, and he is available. Now, if you didn't know either of their ERAs, how much higher would Kershaw's ERA have to be for you to choose Granky over Kershaw right now? Like a run and a half? So if Kershaw's ERA were 3.1 right now, you would, as an analyst, as an objective person, you would think that Granky is a better pitcher than Kershaw? Nope. Even though, yeah, <laughs> thank <Nope>. you. <laughs> um, retracted. And I've already given you his FIP, too. Like, I've told, like the FIP is the real FIP. Kershaw's got the baseball's best FIP. Yeah. And well, is Kershaw. And yeah. has a, yeah. So, so maybe I'll three, give you three Granky's, runs. I'll give you Granky's ERA, so you can know that Granky has a one six three or whatever ERA. Right. So, so if Kershaw's so ERA if is Kershaw has a four four point six. Yeah. So if, if he has a four point six, then I'm guessing he's going to have to have given up lots of home runs, and so you could make the like case that FIP is not accurately capturing what he's doing, like the Lincecum kind of case. I don't know why. Kershaw would fall into the same category as Lincecum, but let's just say he did. So, yeah, if his FIP were over four, maybe, maybe then then probably I would I would accept that maybe FIP wasn't capturing something. Yeah, I think that his ERA would definitely have to be over four, and I would have a hard time if it was over five. Uh-huh. So around three runs seems right to me. <laughs> You'd have a anyway, hard time starting. 5 ERA Clayton Kershaw over 1.6. <laughs> Is that cranky? He's got the FIP and he's yeah. Like he's been doing this for a very long time. I yeah. mean even even without the FIP, I still like even without the FIP. If I didn't tell you his FIP either and all you knew was his ERA. Uh so let now t- same premise except you know that Granky has a 1.6 ERA and a 2.6 FIP. Kershaw has a 4.6 ERA, and you don't know his FIP, okay? But he's healthy. You do know he's healthy. Mm. Who do you pick to start a team next April? <laughs> or who do you think, I mean, you, Pakoda would like Kershaw more, even without mm-hmm. you would even without knowing the FIP, you would probably bet that Pakoda would like Kershaw more. Mm-hmm. You'd pick Kershaw. Yeah. So. Okay. So right. are those guys both good enough that either of them is an RIP player? If they're two of the three best pitchers in the national league maybe maybe either one of them has rip potential one of them won't throw as many innings probably mm-hmm. you can't have two guys go bum garner yeah that's true although you Imagine can have you the shilling johnson <laughs> yeah you yeah you could maybe. if you had yeah you couldn't quite it i think it'd be impossible but mm-hmm. you could get close well there are no rip guys but right kershaw is kershaw is the see some people are are right now yelling that Kershaw sucks in the postseason and the Cardinals have his number. So putting that aside as nonsense, mm-hmm. Kershaw is the closest thing to an RIP guy in baseball right now, right? Mm-hmm. Well, like, yeah, I would probably. take, if I had a team that had Kershaw and Trout or Kershaw and Harper, I would take, I would rather have Kershaw for the postseason than either of those guys. Yeah, I, that makes sense for postseason. 
So he is he is the ultimate RIP guy. Mm-hmm. The Dodgers would do would be fine without him. Like they would they wouldn't be fine. They'd be a lot worse. But yeah. they'd still be a above average team. Yeah. Not okay. an above average playoff team though. Mm-hmm. All right, one more. Cubs. I, I, oh, okay. I was gonna pick. Oh, okay. Well, Rangers. You can pick one too. <laughs> Rangers. 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 All right. Beltre. Yeah, Beltre hasn't been that great this year. Like he, he doesn't have power slow. anymore. Yeah, he do- he doesn't have much power anymore. By warp, he's half, roughly half of what Shinsu Chu is. And I don't know if in this scenario you get to still have him be around. I get the feeling that Beltre is like one of the at least I I I think it's perceived as such and convincingly enough that I believe in it that Beltre is an elite chemistry guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there could be a placebo effect with certain guys also. Yeah, like if, that's true. Especially with Molina. If if everyone on the Cardinals believes that Molina is an RIP guy, then yeah. maybe he is closer to one than he would be otherwise. So it seems like your choices are for the in for the Rangers are basically Chu, who is the actual leader by Warp, Beltre, who is the perceived best player and might still be and also what we just said or Cole Hamels who is you know the ace and the ace of a staff that has not many pitchers yeah and who is not anywhere near the warp leaderboard for the Rangers but would be if he Mm -hmm. had been there all year Beltre had a 685 OPS in the first half 841 in the second half coming into Monday and still elite defense yeah, like 841 is is good, but it's also it's in Texas and you have to regress that some because the first half did happen. Mm-hmm. And he's, you know, probably like a I mean at this point he's been a slightly above average hitter this year and I don't think there's it's that controversial to accept that. He's 36. You know, he's he's been on this earth a long time. Yeah. I have a, I have a hard time naming Shinsu Chu is an RIP player. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm not going to go with him. So, yeah, maybe Hamill's just based on the pitcher in the postseason throwing a higher percentage of innings effect and the fact that the Rangers don't have the greatest pitching staff. So, sure, Cole Hamill. I mean, yeah, the Rangers' pitching staff is really, it's kind of. I don't know. It's bad enough behind Hamels that they could actually need him to eat innings, which isn't something that you normally hear in the postseason. But, you know, it, it's not that good. Yeah. So, all right. Cubs. We can do Cubs the Cubs. Cubs is Arietta, right? It's got to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that's an easy one. What about Pirates? Is it Cole or is it McCutcheon? Or is it Cervelli? Could be Cervelli. His presentation is fantastic. Yeah. I... I don't. I think that I would go McCutcheon. Yeah, McCutcheon over Cole. The wild card game sort of skews things because if you know you're going to be in the wild card game and you know that a certain guy is going to be your starting pitcher, just that alone, regardless of what might happen later in the postseason, Garrett Cole has the ability to affect the card, the Pirates' World Series odds, maybe in that one game more than anyone else would in the right. rest of October. It would essentially be like if you had a pitcher who could start all seven games of the LCS. Yeah, right. 
So yeah, that's probably true. He will he will definitely no matter what happens to the Pirates, he will most almost definitely like uh lead the team in World Series win probability added or lost. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not like without Cole they would have nobody good. Liriano's really good, but yeah, he's not as good as Cole. So, that's reasonable. Okay. Royals, right. last one, Royals. Oh, yeah, I, I was, uh, after the Yadier Molina, that was the one I was thinking the most about. I'd say Wade Davis. Hmm. And it's it's either Wade Davis, Johnny Cueto, or Lorenzo Cain, right? Yeah, so I guess the reservation with Davis is that maybe he doesn't have as much multi-inning potential as Batances does. I mean, he does have some. He, he did do that. He can do that, but... Yeah, and also the, the Royals' other alternatives are better than the Yankees' other alternatives. Right. So I I don't know if I would go with Davis. I I think I might say Kane. If if Cueto, if I were more confident in Cueto, you might say Cueto because the Royals' rotation is a little bit shaky too. Although Ventura has been better, but given that Cueto has not been super reliable lately either, I think I might go with Kane. Yeah, I would definitely go Kane over Cueto mm-hmm. at this point. And you're probably right. Okay. Okay. All right, and Astros, I'm going to say Keuchel. Over Correa? Ooh, actually, <laughs> well, man, Keuchel's really I'd go good. Correa. I'd go Correa. Keuchel, you have the, the same wild card game argument that we were just making for Cole versus McCutcheon, but yeah, I'm, I guess I'm okay with Correa over Marwin Gonzalez. <laughs> that's, that's a pretty big gap. All right, we have covered probably every every team. Apologies to AL wildcard contenders who we have not talked about. Mike Trout for the Angels and Miguel Sano for the Twins, just for completion's sake. So we've successfully discussed a premise that neither of us believed in for quite a long time. (laughs) (laughs) R.I.P. this topic. All right. We'll probably do an email show next, so we could definitely use some emails. Please send us some emails. Podcast at BaseballPerspectus.com. You can, of course, ask each other questions at any time in the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash Effectively Wild. Rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. I appreciate some of the recent reviews I've noticed. And support our sponsor, The Play Index. Go to baseballreference.com, use the coupon code BP, and get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. We'll be back tomorrow.